0: Good morning everyone. Uh, It's good to be preaching the word of the Lord and sharing with you um, today's teaching. We are in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, The last few weeks uh, we've been dealing with Jesus' teaching in parables as he uh, was on a boat off the shore of the Lake of Galilee, near the city of Capernaum. The city of Capernaum is on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, on the western northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Right after he finishes uh, with the teachings of the people in parables, Jesus gets on that same boat, probably where he was teaching, And he decides to go away with them for a little bit so that they could have perhaps what we would call a retreat, a time alone with them so they can report back to him about their mission, which he had sent them on in chapter 10. And uh, what had they experienced, what could he teach them more about the gospel and about the kingdom of God and so on. And they get on that boat and they go from the northwestern side of the Lake of Galilee, they go to the northern eastern side or about the middle of the northern eastern side and they come to an area called Bethsaida. And in Bethsaida, he feels that he's going to spend some time with them alone. But it seems that the people that had been listening to him in the Capernaum area and other people, knowing where he was going, have run along the shore, and by the time that he disembarks with his disciples, there's a large crowd of people. They want to hear more, and they have probably gathered a lot more people from the area, Uh, and you know how the news spreads from word of mouth. JESUS IS COMING, THE MESSIAH IS COMING, THE CHRIST IS COMING, THE TEACHER IS COMING, THE RABBI IS COMING, WHATEVER DIFFERENT PEOPLE MAY HAVE CALLED JESUS, THERE WAS A LARGE MULTITUDE OF PEOPLE ON THAT AREA OF Bethsaida, AND SO JESUS DOESN'T WASTE A MOMENT. ONE OF THE THINGS I'VE TAUGHT ALL OF YOU IN THE PAST IS THAT MINISTRY FOR JESUS IS THE PERSON RIGHT IN FRONT OF HIM. He doesn't have to plan it. He doesn't have to have an agenda. Whatever and whomever he meets in person, it becomes a ministry opportunity. And as Jesus gets off the boat with the disciple and the multitude is there, uh, he doesn't say, hey, I don't have time. I need a break. No. That is a time for him to spend time with the people. He had come into this world for the people. His mission was the people. And so he sits down and he begins to teach this uh, In enormous, at least for me, it's an enormous number of individuals. And as it begins to get dark, probably 5, 6 o'clock, and it begins to get dark, his disciples come to him and they say to him, uh, Lord, send them away. It's going to get dark. It gets dangerous at night on the roads. They need to eat. They haven't eaten uh, here. Uh, and that's where Jesus, uh, and I'm not going to go into the whole lesson, but that's where Jesus says, what do you have? And they say, we have some bread. We have a few fish. He says, bring him to me. And he blesses them, gives thanks to the Lord, and the disciples begin to give them out. And then we are told that over 5,000 people were fed and satisfied, not just given a little morsel. It says that they were satisfied. And then it adds that it was 5,000, not counting the women and the children. So add to that possibly uh, another few thousand. And upon finishing that miraculous manifestation of who He is and who He was, that miraculous manifestation, which maybe the people that were fed didn't quite get it, but the disciples should have gotten it, because they saw it. They saw the multiplication. They were part of passing out these meal out, this fish and this bread, Jesus decides that it's time for him to be alone. And he actually tells the disciples to get back on the boat in which they arrive at Bethsaida and to return to where they came from on the northwestern side of the Lake of Galilee. Um, And and so they, they get on the boat, all 12 of them. And then he dismisses the crowds, sends them home. And then, which is a beautiful thing I want you to notice, it says that he spent time alone in prayer. And the reason I find that beautiful is that even Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, needs times to speak to his Father. He needs times to pour out his soul, his heart, his mind, and communicate with his Father and receive from his Father inspiration and strengthening and a word and just that communion that happens. If Jesus needed it, I don't want you to ever give up on praying. I don't want you to think that prayer is optional in the Christian life. Prayer is a necessity that makes us one with God and God one with us, that informs us, strengthens us, clears us, corrects us, and prepares us for the next ministry opportunity. I don't want you to ever think that prayer is optional, That getting to work is is priority. That doing so many of the other things we have are priority. And then if we have time, we pray. Because I tell you this, from experience, there's never enough time to get back to prayer. There's always something happening. And if you think you're going to pray at night, I find at times that sometimes I'm so tired... I might just say a quick prayer and go to sleep. And I need my time with the Lord when I am fully awake to Him and He fully awake to me and I am able to hear Him speak to me. And so I want to encourage you to set aside quality time that you set as priority for prayer before anything else, even before anyone else in the house wakes up. If you have a chance, just get up and spend time with prayer. Before you turn your computer on, before you turn your cell phone on, before you do any of those things that could be distracting, spend some time in prayer with the Lord. We all have plenty of people to pray for and plenty of situations. And we ourselves need that communion with God that prepares us for the day. So the first thing I want to teach you is that, that Jesus felt a need for prayer. And so he spends time alone with the Lord, and he kind of prays most of the night. We are told that the people go away. Jesus is alone. The disciples have gotten on the boat. They're headed west toward the area just south of Capernaum. The Lake of Galilee is about five miles from about Bethsaida to where they were going uh, just south of, of Capernaum. It's about five miles. We are told in the gospel that they were only halfway. They'd been rowing this big fisherman, this strong fisherman accustomed to the Lake of Galilee. They have been rowing their heart out to get to where Jesus told them to go. And they had only gone half way, about two and a half miles, because the wind had picked up and it was so strong, storm kind of wind. That it was just going from the west, blocking and stopping the advance of the boat. And the waves must have been high and hitting upon that boat to the point that they became afraid. They became afraid. These experienced fishermen that had known very well what the Sea of Galilee can do. They become afraid that the boat might capsize that the water was coming into the boat. Some of them may have even become very afraid that this may be a moment of danger, that their life was on the line. And one of the things that you may not notice in reading the scripture, but that I I find fascinating, is that when you are rowing, And I don't know how many of you are rowers or whether you've spent any time uh, on on a rowing boat, not a motorized boat. But when you are rowing, if you want to go west, you have to be facing east. And you row to go back. That's how you row. So as these fishermen are rowing, with their back to where they're going, their eyes are to where they just came from. And we are also told that it's the fourth watch of the night. The nights were divided into four portions. So we're looking at between 3 in the morning and 6 a.m. The, the darkest moment of the night. And maybe in the middle of... Of all this storm or waves, they see a figure coming toward them from the direction they just came. They see it, and they begin to watch, and these disciples, scared and afraid, may have even thought that that was a sign of their doom. Because they begin to think it is a ghost. Death is coming for us. We are drowning here. And they see this figure kind of with eyes all covered up, but they see this figure walking on the water. And they become very afraid. And Jesus, knowing their fear, says to them, do not be afraid. It is me. Of course, when they recognize Jesus, Peter, in in the way that Peter is, he tells Jesus, if it is really you, Lord, call me to come to you. And Jesus says, come, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water also. But then his eyes are focused away from Jesus and what he sees and feels is the wind and the storm and the waves and and he's getting wet and and the wind is blowing on on his face and, and he loses sight of Jesus and the moment that his focus is the storm, he begins to sink and cries out lord help me and it, and we're told that jesus reaches out for him and grabs him and pulls him up and they go on the boat i have i have a couple of teachings i want to give you from this passage which i i think are very important one of them is that if i want to leave you with a true teaching about this this passage, I want you to understand that the passage, like the feeding of the 5,000, is all about Jesus. It's not about Peter. It's not about the rest of the disciples. And it definitely, it's not about the storm. The story is to tell us that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God incarnate that nature obeys, and that all things in nature, all things in creation, obeys him who created it. The main character in this story is Jesus. And the moment you take your eyes off of Jesus, all you're going to see is Peter's doubt and faith, faith and doubt and storm and waves and and the other disciples. The moment that you make the story about anything else, you have just taken your eyes away from Jesus. This story, first of all, is about the Jesus that can come to you in the midst of your storms. It's not about the storms and it's not about you, and it's not about anything else. The story is about Jesus. And that's what I want you to take with you. Who is Jesus Christ in the midst of my storms? Then of course, it is secondarily about Peter. Because Peter is a picture of you and I. Peter is a picture of the you and I that have faith and doubt. And somehow faith and doubt seem to live inside of us. And sometimes we are more full of faith and sometimes we have doubts. And that's the reality of life. We sometimes have a lot of faith when everything is working well in our lives, when everything is wonderful, when we're singing songs that bless us, when we hear a sermon that blesses us, and then we get hit by a storm and we begin to wonder, where is God? How many people have ever said, where is God in the midst of my troubles? And you can go, we all can go easy from faith to doubt, and then we need to be able to stop and say, hold on, who do I believe in, and how does he work in my life? What has he done? Is he worthy of my faith? And then doubt can become faith again. But, but it is impossible to think that you and I are not at times going to struggle with issues of faith and doubt within the same person, within the same heart. So that's that's one of the first lessons I want to give you is that this is really about Jesus. Yeah, it's about the disciples because they're all coming to more faith because of what they see. Yeah, but Jesus is the central character of the story. The second thing that I want you to, to grasp in this story is this. You know, there are times in life And I would imagine that if the wind was as strong as the gospel tells us, and the wind was strong, the wind is what drives the waves. And the waves must have been really strong if they hit the boat in such an impactful way that the disciples thought they were going to die. And I guarantee you that there were times maybe that the waves were so high that Peter lost sight of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes the waves may be so high that Jesus is over there and we're over here and the wave just rises up and, 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 and it's the middle of the night, the darkest moment, and they lose sight of Jesus. But just because Peter lose sight of Jesus doesn't, doesn't mean that Jesus moved. It doesn't mean that Jesus went away. The waves sometimes will rise high in your life and you may think, where is Jesus? Jesus is still there where you can find him, when you can cry out to him. The waves in your lives and in my life sometimes may be so high that we want to see and we can't see. Sometimes he gets pitch dark black in our lives and we lose hope, and we lose sight, and we we wonder, where is Jesus? I want to say to you that Jesus is on the other side of that wave. I want to say to you that Jesus is exactly where you saw him a moment before. I want you to know that you're not in your storm and in the sea all by yourself, but that Jesus is with you. There are just times when the wave is so high and you lose sight. I don't know what kind of struggles you may have experienced in your life or are experiencing right now. Sometimes it may seem to you that the disease is too high, that the problem is too big, that there's no hope for your marriage, that there's no hope for your family, that there's no hope for your job. That there's no hope for your life. That you are losing things and you have lost sight of Jesus. But Jesus, I want to assure you that Jesus is where you saw him last. And he is near you. And he's there. And all you have to do is, Lord, help me. Which is what Peter says. Lord, help me. And it leads me to the third teaching that I want to give you, is that the moment that Peter cries out, Lord, help me. It's as if Jesus just reaches out his hands and grabs Peter and he says, I got you. I got you. Not the storm, not your troubles, not death, not life, not angels, not illness, not problems. Nothing will make me let go of you. I got you. And Jesus pulls Peter out of the water. And they go to the boat. Their faith increase. The storm calms down and they continue rowing to the destination in which they were going this story is not just about the miracle of jesus walking on water this is the story about jesus being with you and for you any and every time of your life i don't know what situations you are living I know some families right now that I am praying for that are living very, very difficult situations, death and life situations, COVID-19 situations. I know families right now that I am counseling that are in, in, in conditions of complete brokenness over marriage, over children, over all kinds of things. I know that there are people that are unemployed and are trying to figure out how are they going to make it. I know that there's a lot of issues. And thank God not all of you are facing the same issues. But there are some brothers and sisters and some friends who are facing storms in their lives where the waves are hitting them so hard and the storm is so, so strong and the wind is so uh, amazing that they think they're going to capsize, that they cannot make it out of it. I want to say to you that Jesus is with you, that Jesus is for you. His intention, His heart, The purpose for his mission was to reach out to you and say, I got you. And nothing is going to separate you from the love of God that is in me, in Christ Jesus. I got you. So as you go from faith to hope, hope to faith, as as you wonder where Jesus is, I want you to have the confidence that Jesus is exactly where he needs to be in your life and that he's reaching out for you. Just cry out to him. Cry out to him and say, help me, Lord. Help me. I'm sinking. Let him reach out for you. Let your brothers and sisters that have faith add to your faith or to your moment of doubt. That's where the church is the church. Where one of us is in the doubt portion, the rest of us that have faith, cover them and pray for them and supply what may be lacking. And when there's moments for tears, we will all cry together. And when there's moments for joy, we will all rejoice and praise God together. But I want you to understand that this story is Jesus calling you, Jesus showing you who He is. This is a story that tells you that Jesus is not away just because the storm seems to be too strong or the waves block your view from Jesus. This is a story of a God who loves you so immensely that he will not separate from us. No matter what we face, we will never be left alone to our storms. Sometimes you may feel the waters rising, the waters rising, and you think it's just going to rise beyond your ability. Those are moments when you cry out to the Lord. And you will experience the presence of God. So, take a look at this passage. Take a look at this passage. Maybe read it one more time this week. And just consider the three points that I have brought to your attention today. And just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's your Lord and your God my lord and my god and to him is all the praise and all the glory and all the honor until we are all home together with him may the lord bless you today and may the lord be with you and may we all be with you whatever you're facing these days amen